Welcome to the OptiForum podcast. We're really specialized in optimizing fitness performance by bringing on people like this guy, fitness professionals, uh, to really go through um, and go through like, you know, workouts, nutrition, supplementation, all that stuff to really help you guys increase your performance at the gym. So today we have Mr. Jason Gonzalez. How's it going, big guy? Good. How are you doing? Good to be here. I'm doing good, man. Um, and so a little background on Jason. Um, he is obviously a very good fitness influencer on Instagram. I've been following his stuff. Very good. Um, I like the videos with the also strip of like infographic kind of stuff to like relate it. Not very many people do both of them in the same kind of conjunction. Uh, I think it's super helpful because you kind of, you get a bit like layman's terms, but you also give like the scientific part of it. So then you can kind of start learning in the vocabulary and all that stuff. So, but, uh, but yeah, so what I first want to do, what we're going to dive in today is, is more of like strength training, which is his specialty, I believe, um, along with like functional stuff to really prepare for that strength training and stuff like that. So first off, brother, like who the hell are you? Tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself um, and your story about how you got into fitness. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it initially started in high school. Uh, I was always that, you know, skinny kid who wanted, I guess, you know, didn't like how I looked. And I was like, what can I do to increase my size first and foremost, right? I couldn't get any taller, so I had to get a little bit wider. So, same boat, um, bro. Five, six over here. Yeah, five, six, same. Five, <laughs> I was 145 pounds, man. I was like, shit. Same, same. I know. So I weighed about maybe 110, 115. This was like high school uh, you know, ninth, 10th grade. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna start lifting. So started lifting. Uh, I, I took a high school weightlifting class and I was like, all right, all a lot of high schoolers really do is bench press. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to crank out this bench press. I'm going to just do it every time I go in there. Right. Um, and that'll lead me to where, you know, I, I initially, uh, in, in my powerlifting career, that's what I have done. I'm kind of washed out right now, but, uh, the bench press is my favorite lift and I would argue my strongest lift. So I'm not going to attribute it to that, but I'm just saying like, um, it's, it's helped a ton. Uh, but anyways, I started in high school, started lifting, got a gym membership, started lifting the gym membership, started eating. Uh, cause at that time I was like, man, I'm just going to pound big Macs after the gym. <laughs> you know, like, honestly, that's what I did. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying that's, I'm not like, now I look back at that and I'm like, Oh boy. Like, I don't know if that was the best idea, but you know, it, it worked at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so started lifting and I was like, great. Like added on weight, started looking good, feeling better, confidence increased. Everything was really awesome. And then at that time I was, uh, originally my original path, I was in school. I was going to do nursing, uh, and eventually do like anesthesiology, something like that. Uh, something in the medical field. But then I, I was like, wow, I truly love the way that I felt after lifting and I wanted to influence other people like that. So I was like, okay, let's look into training. So I looked into training, got certified um, through NASM, which is National Academy of Sports Medicine. And uh, that was eight years ago. So I've been doing it for eight years. And uh, yeah, I, I feel like this is something that I completely, I'm always hungry for. I'm always thirsty for knowledge in this field. Um, and, and then with, with powerlifting, so my fitness background is I did a physique competition, uh, just one. I'm only going to do one also. <laughs> yeah. Not, it just wasn't for me doing that again. Never served myself again. Screw that shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just wasn't for me. You know, the look was great. Um, it was awesome. And then, uh, and then I got introduced to powerlifting. Um, that, that truly, you know, I've, I'm a huge fan of that's where I started dabbling and learning a ton on strength and how to improve efficiency of the lifts. Um, and then that just was a huge rabbit hole of, uh, you know, technique stuff, prehab stuff, like, uh, functional stuff, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I, I power lifted for five years. Uh, my last meet was March of 2000, 18, I believe. And that was, I did a bench only meet. Um, and that, I mean, I've, my, do you know much about powerlifting? Uh, a little bit. What were you, what flat, what would you weigh in at? Would you, I was, uh, like 143 pounds. So it was the 148 weight class. Um, and my numbers there were squat was four, 
429 or 430. Uh, bench was three. My highest I hit was 340. Holy shit. Yeah, right? So that's what I'm saying. It's like, I just, I love to bench. I don't know. You just yeah, get good at it. You're putting more weight than me. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and then deadlift was 460. So uh wow, again yeah I, I did bench only that last meet um i did have a, a, a little complication with the with the hip issue and low back issue but um all's good now uh and then powerlifting, and then now i'm just solely focusing on uh career stuff family stuff and you know trying to just make a name yeah no, I, I agree 100 percent, man that's uh you're doing a good job at it too <laughs> So, so I guess, you know, obviously you said 143 weighing in and you're putting up those numbers for people listening in. It's pretty like mind blowing uh, in the sense, where do you, where'd you do your meet at? Uh, here in Utah. So they had a, they have like more local state meets and then they have a, a, a convention every year called FitCon, which is like more of a, I guess, nationally known meet. Um, and that's where I've done those two. Just gotcha. here. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and I'd say that a lot of people think, I believe at least like in the general people trying to get into strength training or powerlifting or whatever, they just need to start lifting heavier things, you know, up in the load, lower in the reps. And then, um, honestly, that's it. Like just lifting more volume, maybe all that kind of stuff. They really dive into that. They don't really dive a lot into nutrition. I bet like on the beginning side, but today I don't want to talk necessarily about the nutrition, but most of like the common mistakes people make when trying to enter, like maybe they're doing a powerlifting meet, or maybe they're just trying to do for their own goals and bit break plat, you know, like benching 225, like if they're at 135 into 225 or whatever, um, and really progressing. What do you think maybe a common mistake people do um, that you often see? Yeah, so um, I think, yeah, powerlifting or not. I have never heard of a complaint of someone getting too strong, right? So it's like yeah. the general population can get strong. They can set records, whether it's a one rep max, five rep max, 10 rep max, whatever. Um, setting a goal is just so empowering and it's, it just boosts confidence like crazy. Um, I had a client the other day do her first pull up and it was like, boom, I got, like the look and like the excitement. It was like, wow, like never to do a pull up in your life and then to do one after the hard work that she's put in. Like is it's, it's so, it's so awesome. And that's, that's another reason why I love doing this. But um, anyway, I'd say first and foremost um, with anything you're doing, strength training, powerlifting is uh, like technique and the quality of the rep uh, or the movement should be number one. Uh, first and foremost, um, I like to use uh, or, or, or tell my clients that the skill acquisition, so the skill acquisition being how good you can do something is the primary driver of strength. So you can have shitty movements, shitty lifts, and eventually it's only gonna get you so far, right? Or once you get to that distance, you know, something might happen. I don't know what that is, but something might happen, whether that's an injury or whatever. Um, so the better you can develop your skill will set you up for a much better return in the long run, right? So technique, developing the skill is for sure, uh, number one uh, I'd say second going into that is their programming so definitely their programming like as a beginner versus an advanced lifter it's a little bit different uh, beginners they they're probably better off I mean not better off but it still works if they go on Google and they're like five three one program or you know five by five or whatever right um, anything that they're gonna do initially will be good however there is a point of like they those beginners can definitely do too much so i don't know um if you know much about like mrv like max recoverable volume or stuff like that right so stuff that goes into bodybuilding as well yeah i see i see beginners usually it's like you, this is like a breaking point i see a lot of times when, when people get into the gym in that very first week literally is like the fork in the road like they go in and they'll like Feel, obviously they haven't like lifted and stuff so when they do they feel great about themselves because they're doing all this stuff and then like a couple days later say they hit like legs because they're doing squats and then they're not ready mentally for that two days later shit you know what i mean so so usually i see a lot of times beginners um will do often too much um in terms of for recovery and all that kind of stuff because 
uh, we were just another podcast. I forgot who it was with, but like you obviously just sort of trying to stimulate for in our, my case, like bodybuilding, it'd be like stimulate muscle growth. You don't need to do thirty sets in that week. You know what I mean? Um, same thing probably applies for the central nervous system with you know powerlifting and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, tracking that volume uh, is is in my opinion pretty crucial when it comes to either you know, having a meet coming up in six months. Um, obviously, that that's going to differ throughout the cycles that you do, you know, more volume in the beginning, higher intensity at the end, uh, something like that. But yeah, starting out people either program hop a ton or they have a generic program. So like I said, generic program does provide value, but you know, I'm always looking at like, what's going to be even better for that person. Right. So that, that, that generic program. So going on Google and, and typing in whatever, um, that'll work, but it's going to be much better to allow more, uh, in like individual individualization, right? Yeah. 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 So, you know, the more specific you can get with somebody, the better off they're going to be in the long run, just like their technique, just like their skill. Right. So set them up with a good program in the beginning. I would highly recommend like anybody starting out to seek out a, coach or somebody to at least give them guidance that they trust or other people trust um, versus trying to do it on their own. Because just like, like we are professionals in our industry, I think mm-hmm. people should have a little bit more trust in what we have to say uh, versus them thinking, Oh, it's just working out. Like I think a lot goes into, yeah. it's a lot more than, Oh, I'm just going to work out. You know what I mean? Like there is rhyme or reason behind what we do. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, what Jason's saying is, is an often mistake people want to get stronger. And I hear this like, Hey man, I just can't get past this plateau. So whatever weight it is, like I've been at it for three weeks now. And the first thing I'll ask is usually you track what you're doing at all. Um, usually oftentimes it's like as simple as understanding just those basic numbers. Um, obviously like I would, if I was in person, like obviously that's not when I'm in person, but if I'm in person, I would look at, you know, especially on bench and stuff like that. Um, oftentimes I see people just over just protraction happening like crazy. Like you're just overextending and just trying to you, you know, just not correct at all. Um, and so then it's like that four mechanics that you're talking about. And I actually had a similar kind of story with your pull up girl. Um, I had a guy, it's like worked out chest. He said he worked out chest for like two years. And he's like never been able to like develop anything. And I was like, in my head, I was like, why'd you wait two years to like figure, like, you know, ask somebody for help. <laughs> but I showed him just simply how to just bring his scapula a certain way. Obviously retract the shoulders back and everything like that. And that day it was like, he met Jesus or something. He shook my hand and he's almost started crying. I was like, bro, it's like, you know, second nature to us. But at the same time, I think that what you're saying is, is it's so beneficial. Even if you have a trainer at your gym, not like you have to go and just like dive into this intense program, but at least start off by asking somebody, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, like that, sometimes those minor tweaks can actually like somehow just create this crazy efficiency in the lift. And that's when people are like, Whoa, like that, it, it just adds value to know that you know what you're doing and you can set them up better for the future. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I guess another thing I want to ask you about with like maybe common mistakes um, is how people will warm up for, for doing like heavier singles, doubles, triples, or all that kind of stuff and how they progress themselves uh, to get up to that, you know, whatever you like to do for your one uh, percentage of one RM or, or RPE. I don't know how you do it, but um, how would you say you would go about that? Yeah. So for me personally, and then I'll tell you kind of how I would give it to a client. But uh, for me personally, I'll start, I'd start with like something to get the heart rate up, whether that's, you know, a walk on the treadmill. And I'm talking like, I'm not going to like near max heart rate. I'm going to like, you know, just, just getting, getting the heart rate somewhat elevated. Um, so whether that's a walk on the treadmill, a little, little bike, five minutes, that's it. And then now I used to have this extensive warm up that I would do before every single like literally every single lifting day it would take 15 minutes to do and now um i don't do that so i'm like uh i if i go in and i hit a heavy bench or heavy squat or heavy deadlift um i'll go in i'll get the 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 heart rate elevated a little bit and i'll do 
uh, kind of just more specific to those lifts uh, of a warm up. So if I'm going to heavy squat, I'll take a kettlebell and I'll goblet squat it for 15, 20 reps, 25 reps, whatever. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to bench, I'll take a band and I'll just do some like lighter band bench press and then I'll just jump right into it. Obviously, I'm not going to jump to my max, but I'm going to jump slowly up to that. It's weight. so interesting. I That's exactly how I transitioned. Like that's no, like, so I used to do like a bunch of different dynamic stuff before, especially like, like hip mobility and everything like that. Um, or so-and-so, but then what I did was similar to you. It's just like, what I'll do is in the car, I'll blast my heaters and my seat warmers and everything like that. I will just blast that, have my sweatshirt and everything on, even though it's freaking 85 degrees down here, I'll still do that. Be sweating like a pig going into the gym. And then I'll do five minutes of walking, just like you said, to get your heart rate up. Um, and then I'll pretty much just kind of dive on into it just to get like a, like a contraction, like a mind muscle kind of contraction on. And it's just weird. I don't know. What do you think? Why do you think that's been successful for you? Honestly, I don't know. Like, I think what I've done a lot is I've focused on my weak, my weak points or my weaknesses outside of the gym or a different time of the gym. So if I knew like, you know what, my ankles are giving me problems in my squat. I just don't do it in the warm up. I would just do it, you know, at the end of the day or in the morning or mm-hmm. a different time of day. Um, and then that just cuts my workout time down because like now I don't have two hours to work out in the gym. You know what I mean? I'm getting yeah. out 45 minutes to 45 to 60 minutes. Um, so I think I just prioritized it a little differently. And I just thought like, you know, is this, is this doing like a ton? And then, so I just played around with it and I was like, what if I just go in and I just warm up less. Now yeah. I'm not saying that warming up is you shouldn't do right. Yeah. 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 It's definitely specific to the person. Like if you want to go in and you want to, mobilize whatever you want to mobilize or stretch whatever you want to stretch do it you know what i mean I don't, yeah. whatever, whatever you it feels that like the mental aspect almost you know what i'm saying yeah like before a meet uh, before a powerlifting meet i would overly warm up because a i was nervous and i was like oh what if i can't hit this weight you know what i mean so i would overly warm up and i would just overthink it so much just like you said that mentally that mental aspect of it but i think yeah it just came down to like trial and error with like do i need to work out warm up this much or do i not and then i figured i don't really you know i'm just hitting a specific lift so i'm just warming up specifically for that lift um and i just cut it shorter right yeah so i guess then um you know what jason sounds like you're saying is is to like you'll you'll read a lot of information stuff on the internet or whatever like all these like extensive dynamic different mobilization and warm-ups and all this stuff. But in reality, maybe just trying to one, just have confidence going into the lift and also just finding out what you're comfortable with um, instead of like trying to follow this crazy thing in order, unless like, unless I'm guessing, unless you probably say if you have like problems with your hip mobility or pelvic tilt or maybe dorsiflexion, stuff like that. If you like, don't, you know what I mean? Like instead of getting out of the shower and you do that stuff, maybe you do it before your lift. But I've just seen as well is maybe sometimes that makes me feel like I'm weaker because I'm like stretching everything out or whatever. And I don't like that feeling of I'm too loose. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I just like the more of the blood flow is stuck in there. Like I have a pre, like I'll do isolation movements before I even go into my compound stuff sometimes to get blood into the muscles and stuff to make it feel better. But I don't know, that's just me. Yeah, I'm starting to think that the best way to warm up for a squat is just to squat, you know? And the best way, the best way to warm up for a bench press is the bench press. And it's, I mean, you're, you're greasing the groove of the movement, so mm-hmm. why not just have more practice with it mm-hmm. to warm up, right? So yeah, exactly. That's what I would do. And even for clients, I'm like, it, I, I, they ask me, you know, how, how do we warm up? What do you recommend? And I'm like, well, do you have any weaknesses or do you feel like you have to warm up a certain muscle group or joint before you work out? And they'll say yes. And then I'll say, all right, well do that for whatever, whether it's the shoulder, the, the knee, the hip, the ankle, whatever, um, warm it up a little bit, right? Get, get the joint moving. Um, or if they're like, well, no, not really. Like then I'll just say, all right, I mean, do a light walk on the treadmill and do some body weight squats, body weight lunges. You're solid. You know? Mm-hmm. yeah so just not over complicated then huh? right. Right. exactly well i guess um kind of transitioning i guess what do you think this is more of like a um like a carryover effect um what do you think like for example for the big three people try to break through like or increase performance in squat dead and, and bench 
Um, what are some other exercises that you could do to try and help those lifts grow or before yeah. So to answer that question, I think I would have to, it, it's definitely specific, right? So if let's take the bench press, for instance, since we talk, or let's take the squat. Cause we talk, we talk a lot about the bench press. Um, let's take the squat for instance. So if let's say, you know, this person uh, is squatting and they, there's different things to look for in the squat that can determine what this person is, their weaknesses, right? So when I give assistance exercises or when you say I'm squatting and I want a secondary exercise or I want accessory lifts, those accessory lifts should have a meaning, right? So if, if for instance, this person is squatting and they're at the bottom of a squat and, you know, when I say bottom, it could be full squat or it could be to 90 degrees, right? Whatever. But if they're squatting and all of a sudden they're chest shoots forward down towards the floor and their hips raise up towards the ceiling all right this tells me two things um one it's just a simple motor control issue so simply like have them slow down the movement because the slower you move the faster you learn all right so have them slow down the movement or two uh their quads simply cannot extend the knee so their hips take a lot of the ground of the, the load and that's why the hips shoot up first. So it's with this person, I would say, okay, they have, they have weak quads, but they try motor control stuff and they still can't come up, you know, with a relatively good back angle. Then uh, I would say, let's program some quad stuff, right? A lot of the times actually, like a lot of uh, women who squat, I don't know whether it's a mental thing with like, I want to work my glutes more or I want people to see my glutes. Like, they they squat like that right and it's like a lot of them either need to learn that motor control issue which is like use your quads or strengthen your quads um and you'll see a lot of that weakness in women also men but um i would say all right let's hit quad accessory stuff so instead of saying i'm gonna squat then i'm gonna hip thrust right i would say i'm gonna squat then i'm gonna front squat or i'm going to elevate my heels in goblet squat, or I'm going to do leg extensions, or I'm going to do things that directly target the quads, right? And deadlift and bench press work the exact same way. They have, there's weaknesses in that, in that lift to make the lift more efficient, improve those weaknesses, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, hundred percent. And so I'd say that <clears throat> common one, like I'll see is more in the thoracic region with uh like whether you're even squatting and then like um de especially deadlifting with me uh or or more of the deadlift area would be more like glutes like activation of the glutes and then the thoracic um strength yeah. obviously yeah uh, and then, so that could be mobility issues as well so there could be mobility issues there could be strength issues uh motor control issues so it's just finding what those are and that's going to be again like getting with a good coach or don't going with somebody who knows what that is and what to look for, like a trained eye. And then they can tell you what those weaknesses are. Bring up the weaknesses instead of building on the strengths, right? Bring them yeah. up and then build on the strengths. Yeah, exactly. And, and kind of for like the listeners going on or uh, listening right now, they're like, well, how do I figure that out? You know, obviously you talk to somebody who's knowledgeable at your local gym or, you know, ask one of us if you send video content or whatever. I don't know how you do that with your clients online. I don't work with too many power lifters over online stuff. Um, but <clears throat> I'd say that, yeah, yeah, it's not like the start. It's weird. Cause when I start like typing on YouTube, I just wanted to see, and it's like the main cause of everything is like bad dorsiflexion. I'm like, that's, that's like not the only thing that's going on. You know what I mean? Like it could potentially be a problem. Um, but you know, starting at the hips and doing all this other things, but you need to understand like the carryover exercises, say if you're um just winging it right like you're doing squats and then you say okay well hamstring curls are a part of my legs so if i maybe do those that's going to help me squat better just because it's part of my legs well there's a lot more that goes into it there's a whole entire chain whether it's your posterior or whatever you're trying to strengthen um so yeah i totally agree that people should probably seek out it's just going to be competitive repetitive during this whole thing is people seek out somebody to look at them because it's super hard to diagnose it yourself in my opinion um, unless you like have good video angles of what you're doing and stuff like that. But, um, I would say, you know, we talked about squat a little bit then doing some quad stuff. Maybe if your hips shoot up, 
what if, uh, what's your opinion on people who have really good dorsiflexion, their knees flare over their toes, their back angle is very vertical. Um, like, not, do you believe that's a good thing or a bad thing? And if anything, to str help strengthen their squat? Because it seems like they're a little, really quad dominant. Um, or they're just like a knee shoot over their toes. What would you do with, with them? So um, I would say like, you know, if somebody's in this, in this fitness industry, they should always, well, they may always get the answer of it depends um, because that's usually how it is at the time. Um, so in that case, it would be an it depends. But like as far as what do I think of knee going past the toes, I think that it's completely safe. I think it's completely fine to happen. Um, but again, it depends if someone has a, you know, a knee issue or a, you know, a knee replacement or something like they should maybe not, you know, they should maybe avoid it until they can build up the capacity to, to go into that excessive uh, flexion of the knee. So, um, I, I think it's long story short, I think it's safe to do, it's completely fine. Um, and yeah, that would be a great example of then somebody having strong quads, if they're able to get into that really deep position, like a weightlifter, for instance, uh, like an Olympic weightlifter, uh, you know, when they front squat, they are going, they're going to the basement, you know, like yeah, they're, they're sinking it. Yeah. How do you need uh, to do that? Yeah. <laughs> but then if you look at them, like if you look at their build, they just have, you know, these, these massive quads, right. And it's like, great. Like that's, that's, that's exactly what they're going to get from it. So in their case is, is they're just going to have the opposite weakness. They might have weak hip extensors, right? So the glutes and hamstrings might be weak. The low back might be weak to extend the hips forward because they can sink it, but they're coming up and then halfway through the lift, their knees are only going to extend them so far. Mm -hmm. Then their hips have to shoot through. Right. Mm -hmm. So if their hips just can't shoot through, then I, then I'd say, all right, hit your, your basement deep squats, then go to hip thrusts or something where you can load the glutes pretty heavily, build the strength. And then again, build on those weaknesses and, you know, develop a solid squat. Yeah. And so this is good. I like this because it's going to, we're going to have like different variations and like different, because I think people will kind of start realizing they'll take videos of themselves or look at themselves and they'll start seeing, okay, the back angle is a little more vertical. I'm going to go back to what Jason's saying and think about that. And then I'm going to maybe strengthen my glutes and maybe my stuff will start happening better or my hips are going to shoot further up. So maybe I'm going to go try to do some quad stuff and then my squat will get better. Another thing um, would be with the squat since we're just so heavy on that right now, um, would be more of like different pelvic tilts, like either anterior, posterior, or whatever. Um, <clears throat> I think that, uh, I want to get your opinion because most people just think of like the legs, but they don't really incorporate the core, like, you know, your, your torso midsection, all that kind of stuff. Even, even your shoulder mobility, you know what I mean? All that kind of stuff. Um, for a person with, you can go into both of them. Uh, and, and tell the weaknesses and the strengths of like, you know, what would you do and able to say, what would you be seeing like lower back pain or like, what are you seeing uh, if you have these symptoms, maybe your pelvis is tilted this way and maybe you should do this. Does that make sense? Yeah. So um, I guess first and foremost there. So through, I'd say the past two years, my thought process and well has, has changed a little bit. So um, as it probably always will. I think in the beginning of like, like when I started posting on social media, it was all about like, uh, you know, don't do this because this might happen. Right. So I feel like I, that could be the case, but I don't want to instill fear into somebody. So if somebody has a pelvic tilt, like an anterior pelvic tilt, let's say, and they're squatting, I don't want to, I don't want to tell them immediately off the bat, like, Hey, you have an anterior pelvic tilt. Your back is going to get like effed up in six months if you keep squatting like this. Right. Like that's, that shouldn't be what us as trainers should tell people. Um, and I just think, again, it's like, it depends if somebody has low back pain and I see when they're squatting, like they are anterior pelvic, they, they do have an anterior pelvic tilt, uh, you know, throughout the whole, or, or, or when they extend the hips, their hips aren't fully coming through. Um, and then they're like, a lot of the time, I've actually had a few clients like that. And, and a lot of the cueing is just like, let's, let's get them to actually flex their glutes, flex their hamstrings at the top of the lift and, and kind of initiate more of a hip thrust at the top. Like immediately they'll go out of that tilt and then they're going to be like, wow, I didn't feel my back on that one. Right. Or it's just, 
Yeah, it's like it's 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 not a slippery slope, but it's just how you word it. I think a lot of trainers need to be careful of. Um, and it's like in the physical therapy world also. It's it's like if you have a physical therapist and you go in and you're like, oh man, you have an anterior pelvic tilt, you know, that's why your your you tore your hamstring, that's why your lower back hurts, that's why your shoulder, you know, gets dislocated, whatever it is, right? It's like we don't, we don't necessarily know the reason why. And there's, they've done studies and there was an MRI thing that was, that went around that showed that there was like 30% of people ages are, how old are you? 22. 22. Okay. So yeah, ages like in our twenties, I don't remember the exact age, but they actually had like a disc, a discogenic issue. So whether that's bulging disc, herniated disc without any pain. So these people were walking around with, you know, a disc herniation and they're like, I don't have any pain. Like, or they didn't know. And then all of a sudden though, what's funny about the brain is that it's going to, they're going to be like, now I know that I have a herniated disc. Now I'm going to feel all this back pain. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, that's what situation happened with hormonal stuff with uh, testosterone levels. Guys walk around like I'm fine. I'm cool. And then they get their blood work back and it's like 150 total tests. And they're like, and then it just hits them and they're like, now I feel like I'm tired. I'm like, okay. I'm tired. I don't have energy, you know? Yeah. Like all this stuff. It's just, it's such a, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. And I feel like, so, so yeah, back to the point is like, I, the way that I look at the squat is I'm just looking for efficiency, right? What's going to create the best efficiency for this person doing this lift, right? So person A and person B might not have the exact same squat. They can have two different squats and be super efficient, each of them, right? Based on their limb lengths, their injuries, whatever it is, um, they can have two different squats. So you have to make the squat efficient for each individual. Mm-hmm. Um, so did, did that answer your question on anterior pelvic tilt? I don't know where. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of it, it comes back to it depends, obviously. Um, yeah. But I guess I would say that if somebody – somebody knew they had like an like a butt wink right <clears throat> we'll just call it that so people actually know what, what the hell is we're talking about <laughs> call it a butt wink you know to maybe potentially help that butt wink where would you start um maybe with with either you can start with the form or start with the accessory lifts to try and strengthen say like your hamstrings or your you know stuff like that like would you even dive into that or would you just do something different is what i'm saying so um so first off and and we, I'd love to hear your input on this too, but, um, and you know, I love, I love a good friendly debate if you want to, if you want to go about that. But, <laughs> yeah. Like you're way more versed uh, in this field of this stuff, but yeah, I'll try to keep up. <laughs> so, so first and foremost, um, for the people that are listening and maybe don't know what a butt wink is, um, a butt wink is actually when your femur, so your big bone in, in, in your thigh right there has no more room to, to rotate in the hip and your hips actually rotate down. So it doesn't actually have a lot to do with um, any musculature, so hamstrings or quads or hip flexors or anything like that. Um, it's just when you're squatting and there, there's no more room for your femur to go back in your hip, so your hip actually just compensates and it just tucks under, right? So a butt wink is when, when your hips mm-hmm. tuck mm-hmm. um, So in that case, there are a few things that you can do. A lot of, a lot of butt winks sometimes occurs with people with longer limbs. Um, I would say let's, you know, trial and error. Like, let's be like, okay, does this work? Nope. Try this. If this works, nope. Try that. Right. So with a butt wink, for instance, I would try taking their stance with out a little bit. Um, Also toe out a little bit. Also, you can try elevated heels. So elevated heels will give the impression of uh, more range for your hip to actually go or for your Mm -hmm. femur to actually go. so surprisingly, I know that might not be the answer you want to hear, but it's not going to have a lot to do with musculature. No, I, I, I totally, I totally agree with like starting with the mechanical side of things like that. Um, and then, and then seeing, um, like, uh, like I'll go into the musculature just in case, yeah. like, like for example, like I'm saying like the hamstrings or like the core and stuff like that. That's a, like a common thing. People I'm suggesting you're debating with people um, about, and I totally understand like, like how the, the, the ball and socket is and like pushed back and ro- rotating a certain way. It totally makes sense to me for sure. And I would agree that extra rotating and um, elevating your heels a little bit for the range of motion. That's where I would start as well, for sure. Um, 
And I don't know if you would even transition then to doing, if it still doesn't work, doing some sort of mobility exercise with a band or something like that to then further try and increase that range of motion um, before even trying, just like, for instance, like a last resort is trying the musculature route of like strengthening it all. Sounds like you don't even, you won't even touch that, huh? No, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's like, I think in the past, I, I would have. Like, I would have been like, all right, let's lay on a foam roller. Let's try and do this, 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 that on your quad, right? But the more you, like, are around it and just live in it a little more, it's like, do you act, like, I don't know. It's so hard to, to explain. And I feel like it's more now, too, if people think about, like, it's all these, like, videos of stretching and doing all the stuff and, like, that. But there's not, there's new, more new research and stuff, I'm, and I, there's more you probably know about than me, obviously, but uh, just like it comes back to like motor control more than anything I feel like and like in order to influence tissue or like muscle like that the best thing you can do is to actually like load it right so if you're like if you're trying to do an ankle dorsiflexion mobilization um like instead of instead of stretching in a in a position that your ankle is is dorsiflex like try actually getting in that position throwing a plate on your knee and letting the plate load into the dorsiflexion right so that that's and that's one of the biggest things i learned on my my uh frc or my functional range conditioning certification was uh you know they're loading at these end ranges they're they're doing isometric loads at end ranges mm-hmm. and that's what develops that strength and control at the end range right it's not it's not pulling the muscle to the end and holding it there and, and feeling a stretch and feeling good it's actually working for it right it's it's you're resisting it. It's an isometric contraction rather than just like letting it pull you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, and again, like I'm not saying stretching is bad or massage is bad. Like I have really good friends who are massage therapists and I totally support, like I, I'm, I'm totally with them. Like it's just, there's a time and a place um, for anything. Right. And, and it's just using those tools in those specific times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like fashion I kind of stuff, but I totally agree that well, exactly what you're saying, mechanical side of things is right yeah and, and i used to be like you know six years ago i would be like all right uh okay your quads tight your hamstrings tight immediately i'm like all right where's the foam roller right where's jump on that foam roller the harder the better right like the harder the harder the foam roller the better the whatever sit on a pvc pipe right but now i'm like i i don't even remember the last time i told any of my clients to even get a foam roller or foam roll this out right mm-hmm. um there are specific cases though like i'd say i would say go to a massage therapist that knows their stuff versus you, you foam rolling that out yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That was good. No, I like that. I like it a lot. Cause um, there's always, and people listening, they'll understand too. Like, well, they should understand now that the, the, the research and like the opinions are always transforming. It's not like the same, the last 50, 60, whatever years it's constantly evolving. I mean, like back then, static stretching was like the glory or like it was like awesome for you right and then now it's looked at as like terrible for you or whatever right um so it's like it'll trans transform over time uh and so i do i like that though like the more mechanical and just like really looking at how stuff's gliding and how stuff is rotating i mean all the mechanical the biomechanical that's what i'm really into because i have a physics and engineering background um so so yeah, no, I, I agree with that, um, and I'm gonna start trying to maybe see that rather than doing any sort of accessory work for those powerlifting stuff. Except for one thing, I, I will do though is like it seems to be a big thing, especially with like deadlifting. Um, maybe increasing your like traditional. I don't know how you feel about this. Increasing your traditional is to like doing sumo style deadlifts for more glute activation stuff like that. It seems to just carry over hugely. Uh, so in, in front squats, you know what I mean? Like hugely into the deadlifts for some reason. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of thinking, well, I, I, I do think that squatting will actually carry over a ton to the deadlift. Um, and yeah, doing different variations will always have some sort of carryover. Um, but yeah, like, I, like myself, I'm a sumo deadlifter. Um, I will throw in conventional deadlifts. I mean, just for, for some sort of carryover. Uh, hitting the different variations, the different angles, the different musculature, um, there definitely is carryover for sure. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I guess, and that's kind of like a lot of the stuff we just covered. Um, but I would say that some added stuff I would ask you 
is more on the recovery side of things for powerlifting strength training because it's definitely going to be different than yeah. bodybuilding, which I'm more versed in my, my realm of things, obviously. But essentially, it's because you're more of like neuroadaptations and you know, central nervous system stimulation, all that kind of stuff. You know, what would you say about the recovery, like between hitting those certain big lifts? I mean, what would you say? We'll start there. Then I'm going to ask a couple more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like, like as far as after one training session, after like frequency of lifts. Yeah. More of like a frequency over like, and then I know you can go into like how your volume increases or whatever you like to do through like a linear or a undulating. I don't know how you do it, but more of just like your frequency throughout the week. What have you seen, um, work well for you? Uh, in terms of recovering the best, obviously it's going to say it depends on the individual, but, but what do you like to, to the, like the ballpark? Um, so basically the first question I would ask and the question I would ask myself is how many times am I currently doing each lift? All right. So if I'm only squatting one time a week, um, I'm going to, and, and let's say I'm not seeing as much progress or I would like to increase that frequency then I would go to two times a week, right? Simple as that, right? And um, it, it, can, it can literally be, now just think logically here. It's like if I squat on Monday, um, and there are like numerous ways you can go about this, but just the basic part is if I squat on Monday, um, and I'm, you know, like if you're squatting and you're powerlifting, you're going to be throwing up some good amount of weight, right? Like, and, and, and your muscles, your body's going to get fatigued. Um, so if I'm squatting on Monday, I want to allow a sufficient amount of rest time before I go back into it again. All right. So typically, you know, two days, three days, four days after your first initial squat session. Right. Um, however, on the flip side of that, the other way to look at it is, you know, let's say this person is squatting three days a week. This would be for a pretty advanced lifter. Um, let's say they're squatting three days a week and they need to up their frequency to four days a week then I would say you need to look at their programming and you need to adjust their, their volume and intensity, right? For each of those squat days. So you can squat four days a week, five days a week, six days a week. There's even a program called squat every day. Uh, or Mike Machine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're squatting every day, right? I'm sure they're taking into account some recovery stuff, but they're doing it in terms of, let's say Monday you're squatting. Um, at, at a certain volume, certain intensity, let's say it's a higher, uh, let's like four by eight, right? Let's say that's going to, that's going to wreck you, right? That, that's going to, that's going to really take it out of you. Um, the next day or the day after I would shoot for more of a power day. So more of a lighter load, moving the weight at max velocity and it, where it doesn't fatigue you as bad as like your four by eight day, your hypertrophy day. Right? So I would, I would split the volume between those, those, those four days, five days, whatever. Um, or just, have sufficient amount of rest days in between. So that's, that's how recovery would work as far as frequency goes. That, I, I want to like pick out something in there is very interesting of yeah. uh, the word power. Yeah. Said, um, I love this, this debate that we had in the CSCS stuff back in college. Um, yeah. uh, what is the definition of power? And so your, your definition would be more in the sense of a lighter load, higher velocity then, correct? Well, I would say it would be moving away from point A from point B as quickly as possible okay okay yeah because power lifting is going to be the highest load right <laughs> right, 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 right doesn't make a lot of sense um right. i mean whatever like it's more of like a almost like a crossfit kind of deal like obviously right. you can manipulate those two variables there's the load and then the velocity which just means speed in that direction or whatever but um but yeah i just want to bring that up just to see your viewpoint on that um but so when he says power like you said it's going to be a lighter load uh, at a faster velocity is what you're saying on that, on that maybe second, right. so like, you know, 30 to 50%. Um, a, a lot of just, so, so it's 30 to 50% for like, you know, lower repetitions. So you're moving that 30 to 50% of your one rep max for, you know, three reps and that's three efficient reps. So I'm like, it, not only does it give you enough uh, to practice because the load is lighter. Um, but I, I think you, you are in a sense training, the ability to move that away from point A to point B quickly, right? Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Cool. So then, central nervous system stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so then, yeah. I guess the answer to that would be like, obviously, it depends. But 
as you progress in experience level um, to not be afraid, like it comes back to the mental thing, right? Like people will be afraid. Oh, like if I'm squatting four days a week, that's so much, but you got to like take a step back and like, look at how much total volume, like how much, what's the load on those days? Like, how are you going through it? And if you're like, if you try and squat, you're squatting three days a week, you bump it up to four and you change some stuff within that and you're still recovering, then have at it. Like, why not? Right. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. And that's where I think this is where having a good coach comes in handy because they're going to know, all right, this person squatting a heavier load this day, maybe they should go a little bit lighter the next day and so forth. They, they're, they're going to be a lot better at, you know, judging and programming your frequencies than, than Google will. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I guess a couple last things I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about is more on switching totally left field is that supplementation that you use um, for stimulating central nervous system and like how you kind of program that to help your lifts. Do you use any sort of caffeine or any sort of stimulant? Sure, yeah, sure? okay. I'm a huge fan of caffeine. Same. Um, same. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's, that's basically my take on supplements. Like I'm a super basic dude. Like I don't like to get into the complexity of things. If a client asks me, well, me first, I'll say I use caffeine. I use whey protein and off the top of my head, that is it. So like, I'm like, I'm a huge fan of caffeine only because caffeine is shown to increase your performance. Right. That's why. Yeah, exactly. People yeah. like talk shit about it all the time. Like, bro, like, no way. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, yeah. Take 300 milligrams of caffeine and then come back and talk to me. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and then for my, for, for my clients, right. You know what I was talking about? Oh dude, I guess that's my pre-workout 300 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So much. It's going to be so hard in your heart. I'm like, Hey, if you're an idiot, you abuse the stuff. <laughs> you time, then yeah, it's just like anything else in the world. It's, it's yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's great. Um, and then for my clients, like the same thing, I'm like, uh, I had someone recently start up with me for nutrition and they're like, uh, you know, what sort of supplements can I take? And I say, well, what are you taking now? Uh, and you know, they'll say, I'm not taking anything now. Then I'll say, all right, well, sounds great. Like, <laughs> yeah. there you go. like take caffeine. If you want to increase your performance, take whey protein. If you have a, if you can't get in enough protein, um, and like, yeah, sure. Fish oils are great. Uh, Oh, creatine. I forgot to mention creatine. I do my the creatine's actually in my pre-workout so that's just low-key snuck in there yeah. um so i do take creatine caffeine and and whey protein because uh, creatine like is the longest study supplement out there yeah. um and there are there are benefits to it yeah yeah especially for yeah yeah because we won't dive into the, the properties and stuff of creatine but but yeah those are definitely i would agree those top three in my well and fish oil that's definitely in there for me too for you know inflammation purposes and all that shit but but um, yeah, I'd say that if there's any supplementation at all to do that, and I guess for that caffeine though, if we just stay on caffeine, yeah, um, obviously like you're going to increase their performance. I see a huge increase, but would you, when people start using that yep. and they start seeing their PRs go up and or whatever, a certain little lifts go up, um, when do you like to cut it back, if any cutting back at all? From caffeine? Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, you know, if they, if they, if they want to keep taking it, you know, like, and, and not even like taking it. It's like, if you drink, if you want to drink coffee every day, cool. Drink coffee every day. Like I, I have some sort of caffeine in me every single day, yeah. um, whether that's coffee, whether that's pre-workout, whatever. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. And I'd say that like, um, I'm the same way, dude. Shit. Like I got it. <laughs> it's just like a, you know, it's so funny how there's different like addicting things and people don't think about caffeine being addictive, but it's semi like I definitely can tell. Um, but, um, but yeah, I would say that the only time I see with my clients, like bodybuilding and people are trying to get stronger, like strength training stuff, um, would be to like, it seems to be like it aligns almost when they're at a point in time where their, their, their numbers start dropping a little bit and they need a deload or something like that. And it seems, what's that? And that was, that would be the only case would be to desensitize a little bit from caffeine. Let's say in powerlifting, someone's coming up to a meet, I would say, all right, you've been taking caffeine, maybe cut it two weeks out from a meet because once you take it again, after you desensitize, boom, it's going to hit you like you're like, you have never taken caffeine before. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. And that's where, that's exactly what I like to do is, and usually um, for some reason it just seems to 
perfectly aligned with like the actual like the, the training delo that you need as well or whatever that I'll have every whatever how many weeks or whatever if they need it. Um, I there's some people I just did a podcast that like project and they, they plan for the deload. I don't really plan for it as much. I kind of just like push it until I feel like I need to. That's just how I personally like to do it. Uh, I do I do that with caffeine as well. Um, and so yeah, yeah, yeah. So if people like in that mode because I'm gonna pull back. Um, I don't know how much volume you pull back on your deloads, whatever, 40% or more or less or whatever, but I would pull back like the same amount on the caffeine uh, because you're not going to be doing as much and you're already going to be doing a less amount anyway. So that's going to also like, re like you said, desensitize and allow for when you get back on, it's going to feel amazing again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. I even would recommend, uh, you know, just go, let's say they need a caffeine fix and they drink coffee just to get decaf. Like uh, I had a client actually, tell me he's like you know what i've been drinking this coffee like feeling good and then all of a sudden i i, I looked at the bag and it said it was decaf right so this guy thought he was drinking yeah it's like a total placebo thing he's like he's drinking decaf coffee and he still feels that he's getting the same energy that with a normal cup of coffee so yeah like just just cut it back to decaf or secretly tell the barista hey give me decaf but don't tell me you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> Whatever would work. Whatever works. You'd be surprised at the placebo stuff in these studies too. Shit. Yeah, exactly. But well, all right, brother. Well, yeah. Let's uh, we'll wrap it up a little bit here. But I think that was a lot of great info of like, especially in that squatting stuff. Um, kind of like diagnosing a little bit, starting with the mechanics, going through and like not overthinking things and making it too complicated, obviously. Um, and then you know working your way through to like blasters and plateaus, some variation stuff all great stuff that I think that people will definitely benefit from. But I guess at the end of the day, I guess, would you agree that just don't make it super complicated? Like yeah, just exactly. add, you know, add, like, add, add. Exactly. Holy cow. Holy cow. Sorry. The Sorry. The Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. It's echoing now. But anyway, anyway um, um, to not make it super complicated, but to just add slight volume and to – do simple adjustments, find somebody in the gym that can help you that's knowledgeable, um, yeah. and then just go from there. Yeah, keep it basic. Cool. Well, what I'm going to do is, is put up Jason's, um, you know, all his info in the description stuff, his IG, his email. If you have any questions for him in this realm of things, definitely contact him. If you have any questions for me as well, I'll put my uh, IG and my uh, email in there. But other than that, my man, thank you so much for hopping on here. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so we'll have to do it again. Um, I like I like your background and the biomechanical stuff. Uh, I do have some other questions for you, so we'll, we'll have to do it again, brother. Sounds good. All right, man. But until next time, see you guys. Yeah.